This is the Dietitian Spotlight, a chance to hear origin stories from practicing dietitians. They share their own experiences and the passion that drives them to serve their patients. So today on the podcast, we have Dr. Divya. Dr. Divya has done a lot of different things and we're going to talk to her about her experiences being a dietitian. And uh, so welcome to the podcast, Dr. Divya. Thank you so much, sir. It's a pleasure to have uh, to uh, speak with you as well as to, to uh, address the audience here. I'm very happy to have an opportunity to be part of this uh, podcast. Can you summarize your journey to this point? I know it'll be difficult, but if you can give it a go. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I see myself as, a, as an individual that uh, basically promotes a lot on the, and uh, emphasizes the importance of holistic nutrition. Uh, it is true that uh, at one point in my career that I had gone very much into the international development, and it has always had been quite close to my heart uh, because I have uh, worked abroad in both uh, uh, in Tanzania, the East African nation, as well as in India, which is where my family has come from. And uh, I uh, promoted a lot of the aspect when it comes to nutrition. But what I have been seeing throughout the course of the nearly 18 years that I've been in the field of nutrition is that uh, most of the diseases out there that um, I see can be very much preventable with the, you know, four major uh, aspects that I think every human being on the planet needs to really keep in mind. That is the eating the proper amount of diet, uh, preferably a plant-based diet, uh, getting a good amount of physical exercise, maintaining and managing the stress levels well, as well as sleeping properly. And uh, with those uh, four um, aspects incorporated in a person's life, I truly very much believe that uh, you know, this is where my heart lies in helping individuals to better themselves because uh, holistic nutrition is something that I think that uh, many of the um, wisdom that comes from ancient texts and, uh, you know, from our ancestors, uh, ancestral time or ancestral, uh, you know, origins, excuse me, uh, can be definitely implemented in the modern world. So uh, I can, I think you can say that because I have a like a, a wide variety of different experiences. But if I want to really summarize it, I'm going to say it has to do with the holistic nutrition overall and promoting uh, that aspect and, you know, emphasizing on the principles of Ayurveda, which is the 5,000-year-old uh, integrative uh, system of uh, medicine that uh, originates from India as well. And can you just expand a little bit on those four principles and how they interact together and what some of the challenges that you've seen in uh, clients embracing these four principles? Uh, um, the challenges that I see here in the United States, uh, as uh, many people know, we have a serious problem when it comes to obesity and being overweight overall. Okay, and we as Americans sadly are considered to be, I would say, the most stressed out country on the face of the planet Uh, because of the long commuting hours, for example, uh, the lack of sleep, uh, the cost of living is going higher and higher and higher. It depends on which uh, place that you're living in. And predominantly in the major cities in the country, we've been seeing an epidemic of uh, individuals who are struggling to pay their rent, and many of them end up homeless. 
Um, and also the cost of health insurance is also quite high and many people cannot afford even ba uh, basic medical care. So you can see that the stress level uh, definitely contribute to um, being obese and uh, being overweight because when people are in such a, uh, not in a good state of mind and they are struggling to pay the rent, they want to do everything that they could to get their um, hands on food for survival. And the food that is presented here, processed and often, um, you know, uh, like a, a frozen food, the things that are not considered to be quite healthy, which are high in saturated fat and uh, a large amount of sugar, that ultimately does contribute to uh, eating um, the wrong types of food, poor eating habits, which can lead to being overweight or being obese. And so uh, that is one thing. And then also the lack of physical exercise, uh, on stress, also the lack of sleep too, because imagine if you have to go to work and then um, your first full-time job, and then you also have to uh, get like a work at your other jobs or so, because nowadays you'll see many Americans, they will have uh, more than one job just to pay the bill. And uh, many times they don't get the, the sleep that they should be having, which should be anywhere between six to eight hours on a um, you know nightly basis. And uh, if they get like less than two to three hours, four hours of sleep, that is really not good. And that can also cause like a serious problem, which can definitely impair judgment and uh, overall the brain as well as the body function. Finally, uh, when it comes to the aspect of mealtime, all right, I frequently meet with a number of my clients who do not eat any breakfast in the morning. What I tell them is that you should have a light breakfast, a heavy lunch, and a light dinner. And Many individuals, they say, well, I don't have the time to have uh, breakfast and they just go and they're obviously they are, uh, you know, they do get hungry. It does. Uh, and then they will be indulging in snacks from uh, vending machines and other places. And many of these snacks and the food that they have is not always healthy. And then they will go and the, the culture of fast food here is a very, very big, um, you know, uh, part of American culture. Fast food, it's convenient but it's not definitely uh, always healthy. And it is becoming higher and higher in terms of the cost of the meal of what you purchase. You know, I ask my clients because they love to eat out almost every single day, many of them, how much honestly out of your pocket are you spending just on getting lunch on a daily basis? So, uh, that's why you have to make a change. And when you see individuals struggling with diabetes, heart disease, um, high, uh, hypertension, as well as uh, even uh, things like osteoporosis, kidney problems, etc., many of it is attribu uh, attributed to the wrong types of food that they're eating and also the high amount of stress and not being able to take care of themselves. And especially for those individuals who have like, uh, um, who have families, especially uh, young children and, and everything, it's a, a very, very hectic lifestyle. Everything pretty much run by the clock here in the, here in the US. I've experienced all of the things that you talk about in the UK. And uh -huh. so I can only imagine the magnitude of problems, except obviously the healthcare costs. We're very, very fortunate in the UK that we have the NHS. But all of these things that you're talking about ring true for me, and it's all interlinked. So how do you break this chain? What's some of the techniques that you use with clients? 
I don't like to focus too much when it comes to the portion sizes because when you tell a client that you should take, for example, half cup of rice, uh, one cup of uh, beans, uh, or uh, you know, one cup of salad greens, etc., and when things become too hectic and they're exhausting the tired, they're going to be very, very, um, you know, they're going to completely forget the whole portion size and, and all that, and it's going to drive them absolutely crazy. So I tell them your perception of what it is to have a light. Uh, breakfast or a light dinner is going to be very different from what my perception is to have like a, a light uh, breakfast, heavy lunch, and a light dinner vegetable, okay? I tell them if there are certain foods that you do not like, you don't have to justify that to me or anybody else, okay? If you don't like it, you don't like it. Do not right. bother to even eat it in the first place. If something causes like, uh, you know, an intolerant or an allergic reaction or something that bothers you, you avoid it completely. I say, when it comes to the whole aspect of weight loss, take a positive approach and have fun with it. And I noticed this, that when you have that compassionate, that calm, sort of, a, you know, uh, almost like a serene demeanor, and it has taken me some practice to be able to do outpatient counseling. But when you really relate to the um, each of the client as much as you could, you see that you'll find, you'll get to, to know a lot about them. What I do is that I focus on the things that they could control. Like many people I've met, they are able to now afford the cost of buying a treadmill or other exercise equipment. And it used to be much more expensive but uh, in the past, but now many individuals, they have a treadmill at home. I say, just see, at least perhaps you can do this for you know, 20 to 30 minutes on a uh, uh, daily basis, just walking on the treadmill at a slow speed and eventually building up your stamina. And then I also ask them, what could you do or what else could you do? If say, if you have a, a particular job um, and you find that that job is basically causing you that stress, is it possible to maybe see if you can cut back your hours or perhaps talk to your boss about it or perhaps like see if you can look at it as a way to see if you can change things. And if there is a, uh, you know, a solution that, you know, they, they should go for it. You don't want to come across as too judgmental because sometimes when they are not really um, uh, able to uh, follow a particular recommendation, say on a follow-up session, and I find out what's going on, if they're saying, well, this is not working, mm -hmm. and then we always try to look for another solution. And so I think those, uh, in that if you are able to, cultivate that positive energy that really is going to make a huge difference. I am uh, I am part of a 12-step organization called Overeaters Anonymous. And every every week we have a meeting and every week we have a share from what we call the top table. There's somebody who talks for 20 minutes about mm -hmm. their experience being an overeater. Yeah. And somebody said to me uh, in a meeting, do you know what the point of that share is? There's only one purpose of that share. And I was like, so it's to hear somebody else identification? They said, no, it's hope. Hope is the key. If you can key yeah. to that hope and give people hope, that is a first step on the route to change. And that sounds like what you're talking about. Yeah. Most definitely. Overeaters Anonymous definitely it, uh, helps it because a lot of times, like uh, I learned this from a, a colleague of mine who are um, psychotherapists and they are mental health uh, professional, is that these individuals who are struggling to lose weight or have some serious medical conditions that are associated with being obese or overweight or some other um, issue, they need to have a good support system. 
And often when you say things, like depending on how they perceive it, it can be a trigger that can lead them to spiral downward. Because you see, people don't realize that verbal and um, verbal and emotional abuse can play a very big role in a, in a person's life that could cause, uh, you know, serious effects, not just on the mental health, but also the, you know, uh, physical health overall. And so if a person is constantly going to be bullied, for example, as a kid that for being overweight and, and or obese, and then grows up into adulthood, often, uh, you know, struggling with poor sense of self-esteem and tries to get the help that they need, they need to be surrounded by people safe from overeaters um, anonymous who are going to be giving that support that they need. And so like uh, I, um, and I've had clients have asked me, so they asked me about my experiences who were verbally and emotionally abusive towards me. And it really hurt me a lot because the things that they said were, um, they thought that they were doing me some kind of a favor by uh, making some inappropriate comments or constantly criticizing me, belittling me, saying things that they think uh, they, they were trying to shape me into this, I don't know what kind of uh, image that they had in their mind. But uh, what it did is that not only it destroyed my self-esteem, but it also put me into a state of depression that lasted for a very long time after that. And uh, it, uh, I also uh, have dealt with individuals who think that they are so smart by engaging in such uh, inappropriate behavior, but in reality, they are struggling with their own deep-rooted insecurities and very poor sense of self-esteem yeah, yeah. and uh, with a fragile ego. And so when they are unhappy with themselves and they're critical of others, they will go and take out their frustrations and problems and difficulties on people that the, you know, for no other reason, and it's the it's the cycle of toxic narcissism. And in the, in my community as a as an Indian American, we emphasize a lot when it comes to education and getting the um, top uh, job and the making a lot of money. But I see a lot of individuals who are uh, in my community as an Indian American who are very arrogant and very self centered, and uh, they have forgotten what it really means to be a human being. You can, I mean, you have to learn to be humble. You have to learn to be respectful. You also have to learn to be compassionate and kind. And, uh, you know, that is one of the most important things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it sounds like what you're saying is uh, food is just the surface level symptom. Somebody yeah. being overweight or obese, sometimes it might be an education problem, but very often it goes deeper, doesn't it? It goes down to how somebody feels about themselves. Because as I keep saying on this podcast, people make decisions not because of logic. Yeah. Um, so all of these food behaviors sometimes can be exactly what you're talking about, down to how this person has experienced, the experiences they've gone through in their lives and how they've been bullied or abused or neglected. Yeah. What can I'm sorry? The biggest mission. Um, I uh, think that uh, mainly it is uh, a, as a, a nutrition professional is to be able to kind of change the mindset towards food. Uh, it should be food should be a wonderful um, thing to uh, uh, you know. It is a it's a part of our lives, and it also should be uh, when. Um, Every individual should have an opportunity to eat with somebody that they like or with friends or something of a sort. So, yeah, and 
Um, and also, uh, but they should uh, try to use food just to, as a, and look at it as a blessing because uh, when you have an opportunity, uh, assuming if that you're not having any physical or uh, disabilities, so you're able to cook your own food, you can put your spices. You don't have to be a seasoned chef, and but at least when you make the food that you know that you like and you taste and enjoy, that is like one of the biggest and best joys uh, that uh, everyone has. And in American society today, sadly, people are spending less and less time with their family. Um, so in the morning, many individuals, they don't really have much time to sit to, together at breakfast time. They have to run out the door to go, go to school or work. In the, in, in the lunch, lunch time, everybody is out. And then it is only at dinner where the family will have an opportunity to sit together and eat. And these days, people are, uh, you know, they're sitting in front of the TV, they're on their phones, they're on their iPads, they're using all this. And that, that sense of attention is really not there for everyone can sit together um, and enjoy themselves and eat uh, the food that has been cooked. Now, I get it. It is not possible in the modern world to cook on a daily basis. I, I completely understand that. So to have at least two to three times a week sitting together, it makes a difference. And then even for uh, families with kids, assuming if they happen to be over the age of uh, nine, 10 years old, maybe 11, to do simple things in the kitchen. Um, and as they get older, they can uh, be able to do other things such as cutting up the vegetables, even cooking, and then with the supervision of the parent, that would make a really big difference in bringing the um, family together to cook the food, to present it on the table. It's because they're, as they're getting older, not to take food for granted, to respect food. Don't just toss food all over the place. Many kids, they develop a, a habit of eating all this junk food, which is why uh, childhood obesity is a problem. So it is up to the parents to say, no, you cannot, uh, you should not be eating this, you should not be eating this. Uh, eating, learning to appreciate the value of healthy food is very important. Okay, so we're nearly out of time here, but I want to ask you one last question before you go. Um, if you could offer one piece of advice to somebody who is thinking about becoming a dietitian, I would tell them, go and follow your heart. Um, if you really think that nutrition is the career choice for you, please go for it because nutrition isn't just about working in a hospital and telling people about the food groups or, uh, you know, it is also about changing mindset. Um, there are many different fields that you can go into nutrition, such as the food industry, doing research and uh, development, uh, working in a hospital environment on a clinical basis, doing uh, public health um, nutrition and uh, working in uh, even more in the media, etc. And if you want to have your own cooking show, just go and follow your heart. You are there specifically to help people and you are just to do the best you can. You cannot save anybody or everybody that you can. All you can do is that you can make a difference. That's it. Excellent. Right. Thank you very much for that. Wise advice there from somebody who has had a long, successful career in uh, dietetics. So thank you for your time uh, today, Dr. Divya. Um, it was great to chat to you. Uh, are there any websites? Do you have a blog? Do you have uh, a Twitter account? Where can people find you online? Uh, I am developing a business called Divine Diet, and um, it, it's, uh, you can go to my website called Divine, D-I-V-I-N-E, diets, D-I-E-T-S dot com. Um, also, uh, I have a small blog, and uh, you can look me up on Facebook, um, divinediets.com and Instagram. Excellent. Well, thanks very much for your time again. It was amazing to chat to you. 
If you want to hear more of uh, Dr. Divya's stuff, just check her out. I'll put links in the show notes to all your things. So thank you again for your time today, Dr. Divya. Thank you so much. Thank you also to the audience for listening and uh, have a wonderful week ahead of you. Thank you. Thank you. That was the Dietitian Spotlight. Origin stories from practicing dietitians. The Dietitian Spotlight is sponsored by Destroy All Admin. We specialize in helping dietitians with private practices save thousands of dollars. Eliminate admin tasks like patient notes and booking appointments. Spend more time on the things you love. Visit destroyalladmin.com to book a free consultation. We'll see you next time on the Dietitian Spotlight. Thanks for listening.